welcome to another fantastic episode of Cineblokes. I am your host, Benjamin Baker. And I am Kaylin Burrows. And we have just come from the cinema. We have seen fantastic beasts and where to find them. Yeah. So, just just want to start this off by saying, if you are going into this looking to learn about fantastic beasts and where to find them, very little on the where to find them, I feel. Yeah, it's, um, you know, lots of fantastic beasts, loads yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah lo- loads, but um, not so much on how to find them. Yeah. It's it's a lot of Eddie just kind of running around going, look at my pretty beasts. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, it, Dan Fogler was really the most fantastic beast. He was the beast. scene steal. <laughs> he, was, he was the most fantastic beast that Eddie Redman caught, actually. He was. Caught him quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah, never let him go, actually. So, um, uh, this yeah. film is the latest film in the, I guess, the Harry Potter-verse. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's not about Harry Potter. No. And none of... Um... Takes place quite a bit before <laughs> yeah, the events of Harry right. Potter. Um, yeah, quite a bit before. But it's supposed to exist in the same you know, yeah, so universe. Yeah, so for those that are familiar, if you're a fan of the Harry Potter <laughs> series, uh, the, there's a book in the Harry Potter you know, universe called... Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yes. So this is based on that book that is in Harry Potter. Uh, so, of course, it takes place before then and explains how the book is being written um, by the man who wrote the book. Right. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. I mean, that's not the character name. <laughs> Although, let's be honest, it really is. It, it, it is. We can just call him the Danish if girl you, for the rest of the... If you've seen Eddie Redmayne in anything, and yeah. I feel like you've seen him in everything. Right. He's, I feel like he's even more awkward in this than he is when he is playing the Danish girl. He's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's an odd... Uh, he's an odd, he's duck, an odd bloke, yeah, that's for sure. I, I just wish someone would get him a chapstick. He looked... No, he looks chapped all the time. <laughs> Uncomfortably chapped. <laughs> he, he was also doing this weird thing where... He wouldn't look anyone in the eye. He just, he was like, he was like an eagle where he was yeah. just kind of always off to the side, like looking down. Well, I mean, that's a sign of autism, really. So maybe it's See, just, he's on the spectrum. It, they could have explored that more. You know, that's why he's in love with these beasts, because they're the only things that can understand him. He doesn't understand human interaction, clearly. No. Yeah. It's, no. It is a very odd, he stands like he's Frankenstein's assistant. It's It's so weird. Yeah. He's a very weird character. Well, his fucking name is Newt, so what do you want? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so um, I guess we're talking about casting. Yeah. Story first. Oh, we're going to talk story. Yeah. Oh, I figured we were on, you know, the Danish girl. So, so. this, so this, this interesting about this is that the screenplay was, there's no book behind this. Yeah. Uh, but the screenplay was written by J.K. Rowling herself. Right. Um, now, I know coming out of it, we've all had some differing opinions yes. on it as a whole. Right. Why don't you start? Okay. Well, look, um, there are, to me, I felt that there was clearly more than one film in this film itself. And none of those stories, to me, ever felt like they really all connected. It, it was all just kind of these little tidbits. And, you know, you would think that for... Obviously, it's supposed to be a prequel, and, you know, they're going to build on the universe and, and you know, whatever, but um, none of those things that are introduced here feel like they're, 
you know, fully fledged or fully developed in a way that you would say, oh, I'd like to see more. Um, and while you might want to see more, none of them really can. I felt that the, you know, the string that, that would connect them all um, just doesn't do it. Because I, I always felt like whenever we would shift gears and start focusing on another character or focusing on a different part, it felt as if I was watching a different movie. And then you were trying to convince me that they all were kind of existing in the same thing. Uh, so it was very jarring for me. And I, I don't feel that uh, J.K. Rowling's is the strongest screenwriter. While I do enjoy most of the book, I read all the Harry Potters. I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Um, so it was surprising for me to walk out and think, oh, yeah, didn't really care for it, especially the storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like if she had just maybe stuck to her guns and wrote the book, I think you can get away with a lot of that stuff in a book because you, you do have you know the page expansion to kind of develop those stories more and really get into why they all kind of make sense in the end. Yeah. So, and I mean, that's why film viewing is subjective because we all, we all see it a bit different. And so I actually, and it's rare, I feel, that we disagree. Yeah, we usually are, are pretty spot on together. But, but... for this, I, uh, now I do agree it was disjointed in a few places, but I thought that it all came together rather well in the end. And of course, you know, it's obviously set up for sequels. Sure. Two of which are already listed on IMDb. <laughs> right. So they go right into go. that, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, for me, it felt like if you watched the Harry Potter films as a child, this to me felt like a Harry Potter film in the in the the pacing and the structure of it. Mm. It just felt like Harry Potter with adults. So um, you know, it seems like there's a formula that she's got and I felt like that's what it was. Now, like I said, I do agree there was, uh, in a few places, it did seem a bit disjointed. But, you know, like I said, I feel like it came together. Uh, I will say this, even though I enjoyed it, it felt long. Oh my God, did it ever. Um, I'm not even sure. Did we did we ever find out the runtime? I want to say the runtime is like two 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 hours and 12 minutes. Um, you oh, can yeah. double that 100, time. 133 and minutes. that's what it felt. Yep. Um, yeah, it does, especially as the film, you know, because it takes quite a bit of time for the film to really kind of take off. Um, you know, for a movie called Fantastic Beasts, we don't really see them until about 45 minutes in. Um, yeah, it, it does feel, yeah, if it feels that length. Um, and again, to me, this is attributed to the writing of the, you know, you could have cut out, I don't know, if you take one singular story out of that, you can cut that whole thing out, remove it, and the movie would still be left intact. Um, you know, you could remove whole characters that we focus on, and you'd be none the wiser if they just did a, you know, a secondary cut. Uh, you would, you would have no idea that those characters even existed. Yeah. Uh, in this in this film, yeah. So I guess to give you a quick rundown, um, without trying to give too much away. So uh, Newt, um, I thought, it's weird. Every time I think Newt, I just think of the little girl from Aliens. <laughs> Maybe that little girl grew up to become Eddie Redmayne. Maybe I'm in not a, sure. In a weird alternate universe yeah. that somehow exists. So in anyway, 1926 New York. Yeah. So so Newt shows up in America. He's British. Um, and he's got his case full of fantastic beasts, I suppose. <laughs> so that's where you find them. Uh, yeah. They're in the case. Yeah, that's where you that's, find them. That's where you find them. And, um, first off, I will say this. 
there's this there's this gag that runs throughout the film where the case unlocks itself. Right. It's like you're a fucking wizard. Get a better fucking lock. <laughs> Why does it keep unlocking itself? Just get that it's, sorted. It's not a good gag. So yeah, so we almost immediately. Uh, one of the creatures escapes, and it's a harmless little klepto of a creature. Right. Actually, one of the more entertaining creatures of the film. Yeah. I, I did enjoy that part. And so he uh, it, it leads him into a bank as a thing like shiny things, and he's trying to catch catch it. Um, Dan Fogler's character, who uh, wants to open a bakery, is at the bank attempting right. to get a loan. Mr. Kowalski. They is both his name. have, and from the moment you first see them, you're like, oh yeah, their cases look very similar. <laughs> oh, I see there's, a switcheroo going gonna on. There's going to be a mix up. There's going to be some tomfoolery here. And, uh, and of course, there is. And uh, that leads to uh, Dan Fogler's character taking the case home, opening it up, releasing a handful of creatures. Um, and exposing himself to magic. Oh, no. Oh, no that sounded much dirtier than I anticipated. But, um... And then, it's the bash of the Fantastic Beasts. Yes. And, uh, and Newt is, in the meantime, he's apprehended by someone who works for the magic police in America. <laughs> we can't call them the Ministry. Cause yeah, because they're, they're not. They're not. But the American um, equivalent of the Ministry. Right. So it would be like a department... Yeah, uh, I guess I don't know. They don't, did they even a collection say of government officials? I don't know. Uh, they kept calling the one woman president. Yeah, they kept so, calling her Madam President. Yeah, um, which I mean, I guess wizards are just very progressive to have a black woman. <laughs> that's true. In the twenties, <laughs> as the leader of their organization. Yeah. yeah, very bold. Yeah, I guess they got on the civil rights thing long before we did. Yeah, but, good on uh, you, magicians. Yeah. So, yeah, so she takes him there and uh, they don't believe her because he has a case full of pastries since his case got switched. Right. But anyway. he's a baker, yeah. by the way. We, we mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, who's trying to open a baker. Oh, yeah. That's right. See, that's bank. one of the films yeah. that I want to watch. We both walked yeah. out of there going, oh, he really, I, I'd like to watch Kowalski and the baker. Dan Fogler can be, he's one of those like Chris Farley types, like... He usually plays things really big and loud. Right. And he was he was a a very tame fantastic beast yes. in this. <laughs> he was he, he was, was already the, domestic. He was the most enjoyable part of the film he for was. me. I I on that we agree. Uh he was one of those characters where every time he was on I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll watch him." Um you know, there there were a number of other characters where I just I I just didn't feel invested in or you know, cared about the story. Um, but he was by far one of the more fun characters, um, and he was honestly a joy to watch. He yeah. was—I very much enjoyed him. Yeah. So, um, but so there's been an, an attack of a magical nature, something running around the city, destroying things. And when they discover that, when the department discovers that he has this case, they immediately assume it's his creatures that have escaped that are causing the damage. Mm-hmm. And so most of the movie spent trying to track these creatures down to prove his innocence. And then, you know, this whole, the bad guy sort of situation with Colin Farrell, who's, I will say this, his, his motivations are quite unclear right. until... The big reveal, which we won't spoil for you. Right. But then it makes more sense. But since we haven't explored that situation, right. it's very hard to say without saying it. You see, uh, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it, no. It, you know, it's, it it's, is one of those. And look, they there's a character from 
the books, uh, whose close ties with Dumbledore and uh, I think the Deathly Hallows and all that, uh, Gr- Grind- Grindelwald? Grindelwald. Grindelwald, yes. yeah. So that, th- there's, uh, they, there's this real quick scene at the beginning yeah, where you right. see like a bunch of wizards just get vaporized and then you see a whitehead fellow who yeah. apparently did that and then that cuts all these newspaper clippings now um are you a speed reader you know i i feel that i'll read rather quickly um but no, I would not, not consider myself no, not that quickly. No, maybe upon a, like a Blu-ray release, you could pause it, right? Slow it down a bit, right? But there's all this information that's supposed to be delivered in about Grindelwald and sort of like what's going on in America with wizards. Yeah, but it comes so quickly. Yeah, it was really hard to get your bearings around it. Yeah, it, I have no it idea. Lies to you, I, and maybe that was one of the things because you know the film really tries to build on that story, you know, whenever they go back to the characters that it's trying to mention, um, and even just the the magical world as a whole, as it exists in New York, um, that information is vital to understanding, you know, the, what's going on. Um, and it happens so fast that I, it took me a good hour and a half to realize, you know, oh, this is what they were talking yeah. about. Because it flies by. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... Colin Farrell's character, there's this uh, there's this female character, an older lady, who's very anti-magic, and she's trying to, like, tell everyone in the public that magic exists right. and that it's bad. She's psychotic. She has a bunch of children that she beats who all <laughs> look like serial killers. Yes. Oh, my God. It, it was There was a moment where I was like, are we watching Village of the Damned? Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. No. Who brought these children of the corn like, to Fantastic Beasts? the weirdest episode of Hannibal I've ever seen. <laughs> it it was, yeah, it was they weird. They creepy children. And so, for whatever reason, Colin Farrell has an interest in, he saw some vision about one of the children has a great power, which relates to this thing that's ripping New York apart, and of course he wants it for a reason. <laughs> And all of this is about finding fantastic beasts. Yes. Um, what? You know, in the end, <laughs> the problem is solved, sort of. Yeah, um, sure. The bad guy's uh, captured. Yeah. All wrapped up, and Eddie Redmayne still never gets a chapstick. <laughs> lips as chap as ever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah it's, and all it's is, a lot. All is set right with the world, essentially. Until until the next movie until comes the out next in film, 2018. Yeah. yeah. Um, so casting then. Yeah. See, that was a lot, right? It was. It was a lot to take in. I felt. Um, yeah. So. Well, cast- it, I'm sure it sounded rubbish the way I explained it. No, it so. did. It did. And I saw the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's a plot that's hard to, to explain without it, giving it, it is, away. It is. Uh, I say it's trying to describe four different films uh, in one. <laughs> Um, yeah, so lots of cameos, I felt. Uh, I don't want to spoil them all, but, you know, there's some very recognisable faces that show up from time to time. Mostly, mostly everyone, um, you know, even, I think there was a picture, there's a picture in the film that does literally nothing. It's just a picture that has, like, some reference to Newt's background, and that is somebody famous. She doesn't say a word, she just, it's a photograph of her. Yeah, it's tied to his backstory, and I feel like 
maybe people who are really, really into Harry Potter maybe got the reference yeah. and know it. I mean, I know the name right. and I, what that's related to, yeah, but, but maybe like maybe people know more about that backstory than is let let yeah, a, let sure. us in on in the film. I'm not sure, um, but I, you know, I wouldn't say that there were cameos. There were some. I feel I... like they were no. I feel like they were supposed to be actual roles. They were just very short. <laughs> because I'm not going to lie, even Colin Farrell, who's the main antagonist, I would say, true, is in the film very little. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, I don't know. Who's... Now, what was your thought on Colin Farrell and his haircut? Oh, and his hair, and his haircut. I feel like that was a character in the film. Oh, it was. Um, not my favourite. Uh, Colin Farrell or the haircut? Both. Look, I'll be honest, I am not one of those people that doesn't like Colin Farrell. I, I know a lot of people, you know, might give him the mark of the douche. I understand. Um, but well, I, I, don't, I don't hate... I actually Say find what him, you will about him as a person. I feel like he's a tremendous performer. Yeah, no, I, I actually find... There's, he's done some films that I uh, are some of my favourite because of how good he is in them. Um, this one is just a very odd... Uh, you know, anybody could have been that character. It, there's nothing about him that uh you know you watch it and you're like oh it's got to be colin farrell it it could be anyone it, it could have it, honestly it really could have. yeah so um but the haircut though that takes a special person to sell and i don't think he's the man don't think he sold it no i don't you know the the circa beatles ringo star kind of thing it felt like a racist haircut i'm not gonna, it, it, I'm not gonna lie it did a bit yeah um, this other woman who is, uh, um, one of the lead characters, uh, Catherine Watts, Watterson, Catherine Watterson, um, she plays the Tina Goldstein, the love interest of Newt's? They're building up for it. All right. It's, okay. a, it's All right. a slow burn. It is. It is. They only do like one or two dates. Yeah. While trying to find Fantastic it's, Beasts. Uh, it's trying to shape it up like uh, like the series Bones or any other police procedural with a love story. <laughs> right. We're going to milk it for about six seasons. They're still texting at a this point. A lot of close talking, a lot of inappropriate touching, but they're never going to consummate. <laughs> um, yeah, I honestly, I uh, you know did a quick IMDb on her, and I don't think I've seen any of her films. Yeah, I, she didn't, I didn't recognize her. I didn't no. recognize her at all. Or her sister. Uh, her sister is a bit more familiar, I thought. Um, in fact, so, I'm gonna, I'm not I, gonna. No, like, most, I will say, most people in this film, no, I did not recognise. She's done nothing. So she's done literally nothing. Um, so now, awkward. <laughs> all of the children, <laughs> all of the adopted uh, serial killer children, <sighs> yeah. their last name is Barebone. So you've got, so you've got. Uh, Credence Barebone, played by Ezra Miller, who uh, is also, those of you that are fans of the DC universe, if they're out there, uh, he play, he's playing the Flash yeah. in the films. Yeah. Oh, who, I, he is such an odd, he's such an odd character. He's so weird. Yeah, I think he was supposed to be. No, I just mean in general, in everything I've seen him in, he's just weird. Uh, He's just a weird person. Then, uh, then you have the two other the sisters, Modesty Barebone, oh, and yeah. Chastity Barebone. Now, I will say, Modesty is the youngest of the children, right? And 
she looked the most serial killer. Oh, yeah. In fact, there was a couple of shots of her where she's like out looking at things. Right. And the paleness and the shape of her face, to me, she looked like Lord Voldemort with the nose. <laughs> Tell me I'm, I'm no, not no, seeing this. No, it's, yeah, I, absolutely. Um, no, I completely agree. She was she was creeping me out. Yeah. Um, it was it was very uncomfortable. Um, and uh, let's see who else we got. Um, uh, let's see. John Voigt is actually still alive. Yeah. Didn't know. Has a small role. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. I'm trying to look at this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't things. really think there's enough worth mentioning. There's not. There. We've, I, co- we've you know, covered I, the basics. Like I said, there's some cameos that you can, you know, watch and, and enjoy, but overall, um, most yeah. of these people you've probably never heard of. Yeah. But again, um, you know, Eddie Redmayne, uh, he, he, you know, I'm not, I'm not on the train. He, I'm really, I'm, I just can't get on the, he does a very good, Let's say the Jack Sparrow of Wizards, shall we? <laughs> yes, but it's not. I don't, I don't, it's not nearly as entertaining. It's it's very. Um, I don't know. He's so. No, he's an odd duck. For he's sure. just weird. He's so weird. But I mean, you know, it, it's just not to me. It was not a very interesting character. Right, and and like we had said prior, you know, before he. You know, Kowalski is one of the more interesting characters, and yeah. he is supposed to be kind of the sidekick. Um, but his fish out of water story is far more interesting than Eddie Redmayne's. Yeah. And I think that's what's delightful about it is that we sort of, as viewers, get to we're on his side because we're not magical, right? And so we're experiencing it just as he is. Yes, he's who we're supposed to relate yeah. to, really. Yeah, yeah, he's us. Yes, he's the audience, and they did a really good job with that. And yes. so did he. That is um, one of the strengths of the film for me. And um, no, it absolutely is. Whereas I feel like the character of Newt, it, it, there should have been. It almost feels like there's another movie. <laughs> That explains how he got to where he is. Yes. Because he's already, like, he shows up and he's there and, you know, there's all this backstory that I feel like we don't ever get to learn. Yeah. You know, and it sort of feels the same with the females in the film as well. Yeah, right. And and again, this, uh, to me, this just contributes to the convoluted, too many stories going on. And, you know, he comes out of the gate with this odd, you know, insecure but confident with animals, but, like, yeah, you know, it's just got this weird demeanor that's well, like I don't know anything about you to buy this. I've nailed it. He's the Ace Ventura pet detective of the magical world. Circa nineteen twenty six. That's what it is. He's very comfortable <laughs> with animals. But he doesn't do humans. Doesn't do them. <laughs> oh yeah. Um Yeah. No, I I agree. I feel like there's there's, you know, a lot of history that Clearly, they couldn't cover. Yeah. Um, with with all three of those characters, <laughs> and there's not even a novel for you to be like. Uh, yeah, I'd like right. I'd like more information, please. Yeah. No. You, no. You. You. Wait. Twenty eighteen. Hey. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Although, too. depending on how well the film does, there will be a book out. I guarantee. You think that? Yeah. Absolutely. She'll uh, write one. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's an extra revenue stream. Oh, of course, yeah, she's right. going to. You got to make that J.K. Rowling money. Yeah. Um, so, shall we talk about the effects and the, sure, the action? Up with that. 
So, he, I look. I know the Harry Potter films. You know they span a good gap of time, sure. and so the effects are better in some films than in others. Yes, they never quite mastered the having a person on a on a broomstick and looking natural, flopping about. <laughs> um, so, but this film, there were a lot of places where they were dealing with a creature or a magical object that you could tell was not there. Yes. And it felt like it was not there. Yeah, it's it was very odd because, you know, the creatures themselves look great. Yeah. Uh, I thought they did a great job. You know, there's immense detail. They're very, you know, some of them are very colorful. They're very unique. They're very... A lot of personality. A uh, lot of personality. They're very fun to watch, the, the, the creatures, the fantastic beasts. Um... But yes, there are so many moments where they've all these people have to interact with them, and I'm I'm watching it, and part of me is just like, I'm all watching the Phantom Menace right now. It's just so, just clearly they're not talking or touching to anything. Yeah. Um, and it it did kind of take me out of it a bit. And also, I'd like to point out, we saw it in two D, but there is a three D version of it, and it felt like it was made for three D because there yes. were some effects. That the way they were thrown at you, it was like, right. oh yeah, this is meant for 3D. <laughs> so, I didn't bring my glasses. Yeah, um, yeah, I, you know, I, and it's a part of me wants to judge it more harshly than I should, um, just because I, I, you know, clearly didn't enjoy the film as much as you did. Um, but you know, I thought the the compensation for that is how good everything around them is done. So yeah. you know, the, like I said, the beasts are great and they they look great and they're fun. Um, so, you know, you kind of just roll with it, I guess. Yeah. And look, if you like Appetation, all right, you are going to be very excited because it felt like that's all they did. <laughs> yes. Every, every battle <laughs> was just Appetite here, Appetite there. Yeah, right. They were, you know, whipping around yeah. just all over the place. All over the place. Yeah, it was, um, I don't know. So I, I mean, there's there's a lot of action. I did think one of the uh, one of my favorite parts was when they go into his case, and it's sort of yes, like an, you know, it's like the TARDIS, right? It's bigger on the inside, yes, by and much. You see his little workshop, and then where he keeps all the creatures, and he has all these like sort of rooms, temporary rooms set up with uh, like canvases that look like the environment for right. the creatures. And yeah. I felt like that was all beautiful. And that was actually, a, you know, like you said, that was one of my favorite parts of the film. Um, just be, And honestly, it's one of the first times where I'm like, oh, you're not weird. Yeah. Um, it's just very yeah. natural. It's the, yeah, it's the this. one time where you're like, no, okay, I get this bloke now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great scene. And again, you know, not to hammer an old point, but... Kowalski's reaction as he takes him down into this case, that is how you feel. He, you know, Dan Fogel represents who we are in that moment. And he captures it beautifully. Just this pure wonderment and, um, you know, being yeah. blindsided by just this whole world inside this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's actually one of the best scenes in the film. But also, uh, look, this bothers me. And again, going back to the, get your fucking locks fixed <laughs> on the case, right? But every time the case opened... Like a creature would come screaming out of it, right? Right. But when when they go into it for the first time, they go down into this sort of workshop area, 
where there's no creatures. Right. And then there's a sealed metal door that they have to open <laughs> that leads into where the animals are being held. So how the fuck are they getting out? I, you know, look, he's a weird bloke, all right? Maybe he left the door open and then know. he forgot. I don't know. Magic's <laughs> complicated. It's giving me a headache. It clearly is. <laughs> Maybe it was all explained in the news clippings in... You know, yeah, how, that's what how, it is. how magical cases work, yeah, and you know. just didn't get to read it. Oh. Somebody somebody call Mary Poppins, have her explain it to me, please. Because <laughs> obviously, she's clearly a wizard. Preferably with song. Um, but I would appreciate that, please. She has, Her carpet bag must have fantastic beasts <laughs> it, in it, it as must. well. It absolutely must. Her, her umbrella, for example. The talking bird head yeah. on it, that's a fantastic beast. Um, the oh more my, I think about oh this, the more I'm convinced that Mary Poppins exists in the world of Harry Potter. No, I, I Maybe, think you've fact, just made an amazing revelation, Yes, Caitlin. that J.K. Rowling stole everything from Mary Poppins. <laughs> that's it. She's well, a, definitely fantastic beast in where to find hack. them. <laughs> she's a complete hack and she stole everything from Mary Poppins. <laughs> that's what I've taken away from this. <laughs> well... I hope this maybe changed your opinion of the film. It really didn't. Oh, right. But I'm sure it changed the opinions of people listening to it <laughs> who now hate me. But that's fine. I'm used to that. Yeah, right. So, shall we give it a final rating? Um, sure. <laughs> well, don't sound too sure of yourself. Yeah, right. I, I just don't know what I'm going to use. Um, all right. I am going to give it 2.5 serial killer children. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I um, yeah. I you know, th- I I thought there were moments that were enjoyable, and there there were you know some highlights, but it wasn't enough for me to enjoy the film as a whole. Um, the convoluted plot threw me out, and how long it was just threw me out of it. So yeah, no, the length of it was a bit, a bit weird. Yeah. Um. All right. So, um. So I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it 3.5 Okay. goblins that look like Don Johnson out of five. <laughs> well the, well I, done, Caitlin. I know, I know it was voiced by Ron Perlman, <laughs> but the moment it stepped out, I was just like, hey, I didn't know Don Johnson was in this. He looks good. Yeah, well done. So there All we right. go. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Cineblokes. I'm Benjamin Baker. I'm Caitlin Burrows. And we will see you after the next film. Thank you.